The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Welcome back to the Secrets of Technology podcast. I'm Kim Commando, America's digital goddess, and I never miss an episode. You're listening to the Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Andrew Kinstetter. Hey, Father Andrew. Hello there. And Pat Scott. Hey, Pat. Hello. Folks, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Doctor Who. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who. And I'm wearing my, uh, you can't see it, of course, because we don't have a video for the show, but I'm wearing my uh, Doctor Who t-shirt that I think, Pat, you got this for me for Christmas. So uh, <laughs> um, very it's, a very, nice. it's a very nice, let's get all the, the uh, I think it's just all the modern doctors. It's, yes. It's the new who. Yep. Yep. So new who. New who. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get into tonight's topic, which is. Tech for studying and for students. And I I wanted to specifically do this one tonight because, uh, Father Andrew, you've gotten back to school. You're at, <laughs> at back in college getting your uh, canon law degree. And you've yes. been there for, since September, presumably, yep. uh, studying. And so you've had to get back into using, into studying and doing classes. Mm -hmm. And you've mm -hmm. got got a chance to check out all the new technolo technology or studying and that sort of stuff because it's been a few years since we were in seminary right <laughs> i had a, there was a six-year break okay. before when i when i was ordained and got gone back so so yeah. yeah six years is like an eternity with school but in tech time it's yeah it's 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 a long time so i thought we could talk some about studying and you know how to use our tech for studying the the best apps and uh maybe some hardware as well and uh especially like you think we want to do this in like August, but I think now is a great time, especially as say high school seniors are preparing for college. They're starting to think about it. And over the next few months, they're going to be making decisions about hardware, software, and all those sorts of decisions you're going to start to make. So now's a good time to start thinking about these things. So let's, let's get into it right away. The, the first thing I want to talk about is, is, uh, I, I want to leave hardware to later because hardware is a decision that may be not one that you can necessarily make for yourself. Like your school might have a recommendation, but we'll talk about that in mm -hmm. a little bit. But I want to talk about some software. And the most the biggest thing you think about when being a student is note taking. Uh, now, uh, back in the day when I was in college, I was among the first students to use a computer in the class to take my notes. I had an old Mac. Um, PowerBook 540, 520C. So that tells you how long ago that was. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course, at the time I had to, you know, it was, if I wanted to take notes in class, it was all linear. I was typing into a Word doc, you know, just that was my yeah. cl classroom notes. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot more options now. Father, what do you do? Do you, are you, do you still do pen and paper or pencil paper or do you use oh, tech? I, 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 I can't use uh, pen and paper. I, well, I could, but I don't. I don't write quick enough to. 
to to keep up with the with the professor saying so i i definitely um have have been using my my computer for even the last number of years in seminary i i remember the first few years in seminary i did pencil and paper and thought that the technology would be too easy to be distracting um because freshmen in college often like you head to those major like like you know physics 101 and you see you know all the people on solitaire on their computers like <laughs> right. i didn't i didn't want to be one of those one of those students but i but i realized that and and there's something about like using your physical hands to write out things that that often it's a it's a help, helpful way to to remember things but when it comes to just the amount of information that i i wanted to keep up with I type so much faster. So, so what I use is I, I kind of fell into the Microsoft office suite. And I mean, because that's what I was using. That's what I used to write papers in high school. That's what I used to, to, to do anything, you know, PowerPoint in high school. And so I just kind of kept going with that, but I, I discovered one note, which is part of the Microsoft office suite. And, and one note has been, absolutely my favorite app for for note taking and i know uh, dom and and uh, pat you might have uh, other recommendations here but but this is this is my my personal favorite it, it there's a it, i'm pretty sure that there's a there's an ios app if you want to take yes. notes on your ipad i'm pretty sure i don't i don't have an ipad i just i have a macbook but it's it's also a, a windows thing as well so it's it works on all the all the all the systems but it it kind of it it works like you'd think it would. You can create a notebook and you can have different sections for your different classes. And then within each class, you can have different uh, different different notes for the different individual days. Or you could just have one big, long note for the entire class if you want. Uh, when I was in school, when I was at the School of Mines doing math, I could use a stylus and, and write out like math equations and, oh, nice. and then could draw with a stylus. And, and it was it was really easy to, to use. Uh, currently, I'm just typing words. So I'm just using the the, the word, the, the typing functionality. But it, it syncs with with OneDrive. So I can, you know, if I'm if I'm out and about and I want to pull up my notes on my phone, I can, which is which is great if I'm, you know, got a got a long drive or a plane ride somewhere and I, and I need to pull pull up my notes to, to read them and I don't have my computer with me. I can do that. You can edit them on your phone or on your tablet. Uh, and yeah, it, 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 I usually like full screen it and kind of just makes it make it my environment for note taking. Mm. So that's really and then of course cool. it keeps yeah. them from, from all, all the years. Like I can, I can pull up my, my seminary notes within the same app and right. they're all there. Wow. That's awesome. See, when I was uh, back in school, before I did the, the, the Microsoft uh, office, I used the Franklin day planner to take my notes. So it was by, by hand, but I, I have short stubby fingers and I get hand cramps really easy. I hated that. Yeah. But one of the things that I've done, and I do this for when I'm in meetings and I would, if I were in taking classes, I'd be doing the same thing is I use an app on my iPad called good notes. And uh, I love to use it with the Apple pencil. And for some reason I find it is a lot easier than handwriting on paper with a pencil or pen and one of the problems I encountered when trying to take notes with um, Microsoft Word was uh, when I wanted to, 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 to do things that were nonlinear, like connect things yep. and, you know, jump back and write arrows and stuff. And so with a stylus, you can do that. I like that OneNote, if you're using it in the right kind of uh, hardware, you could use a stylus as well. Um, one of the things that GoodNotes really touts is 
visual note-taking. And if you go to their site, they have lots of examples of visual note-taking. And I'm not, I'm not an artist. I'm not a visual person like that. But if you're a, a person who thinks visually, it's really great for, you know, making boxes and drawing things. And, and if, if that's what helps you remember the content and process it, this would be a great way of doing it. So, um, there, there is, these are several different options. Pat, did you have any ideas in this area? Well, uh, I haven't been using anything recently, but I've encountered a couple of clients who were uh, t- telling me that they use something called Obsidian. And I understand that that you may already know about this, but this was new to me. Okay, And so I just basically downloaded it recently and started playing with it. Before that, I had used Evernote constantly. Evernote's gotten very expensive. Yeah. And so I I was looking for an alternative and it looks so much like Evernote in the way it lays things out. And I I didn't care for uh OneNote as much. I tried it for a while and I abandoned it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know, where I use it for is taking clips off of websites and, and jotting down uh references and stuff like that. So Yeah. Those are the three I've used is is uh, OneNote, Evernote, and then starting to use Obsidian. Yeah, Obsidian is more text files. We could talk more about that later. I know you, you want to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, we can talk about that a little more in depth. Uh, but for Evernote, I've, I, I famously have been an Evernote user for, you know, 12, a dozen years more, even maybe up to 15 years now. Uh, and I've decided to switch from Evernote. Um, Evernote, I use it two different ways. One, to keep text notes. Now I'm using Obsidian for that. But the other one is to preserve documentation or files or clippings off the Internet or anything like that. And so for research purposes, I'm I would say a, a great one to consider is an app called DevonThink, which allows you to um, it also works sort of like Obsidian, which is it doesn't use Evernote sucks things into its proprietary database and it's all contained inside DevonThink. uh is basically links to files on your hard drive. So even if DevonThink goes away, the files are still there on your hard drive in folders. So that's one thing I like about it. And um, it De- what what um, DevonThink lets you do is categorize things and uh, use some automation to move things around in the app, so that it knows like when something shows up in the in the inbox and it, it has these words in the file or whatever move it here, tag it with this. And so it's a real great organizer for information. So um, so I've decided to move away from Evernote myself because it has gotten so expensive and feels like they're moving the product away from what I have used it for for so long. So that's, that's, that's one reason I'm doing that. Um, I want to talk about an, another iPad app. So GoodNotes is an iPad app. It's also available on the Mac. It's not as great for taking notes on the Mac, but it's great for studying and reading your notes and that sort of stuff. But another iPad app I want to mention is something called the liquid text. And this is great for another great research app. Um, This is great for PDFs. This is a PDF viewer. And what really makes this great is the ability to, when you're looking through a long PDF, like a book or a long paper or or, uh, a research paper, you can do things like, squeeze the iPad, I mean, uh, the PDF down and and bring two separate sections of the PDF together or look at different sections side by side and annotate and take notes and do all kinds of great stuff. Um, I knew a lawyer who used it to 
entity contracts when he was negotiating with other lawyers and that sort of thing. It so it it's a really useful PDF note taking, viewing, and you know research app uh, on the on the iPad. So um, so those are a couple that I I like. Um, Father, you mentioned Microsoft Office as a as a great. Yeah. Uh, Office Suite with Word, PowerPoint, OneNote. Mm-hmm. Um, if you uh, if you Excel. get the Excel, yeah. Of, uh, yeah, of course. Um, if you're in the more scientific, your math related areas, Excel would be great. Uh, or business. Um, if you are, if you get the PC version of, of that, you also get um, the database. Oh, access. access, access, right, right. So and you, and on a PC, you also get publisher. Right. Oh, right. and yeah, publisher's good too. Yeah. Um, Outlook, Microsoft Outlook is also a really, um, I think I use it for, for my email. Okay. Yeah. There's pros so. and cons on that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I don't use it for my personal email. I use it for the school email. Cause I've got a school email and I've got work email through the diocese and I've got a personal email. You know, if, if you, if your email server is a, is a Microsoft exchange server, that's especially a good one yeah. to choose. Yeah. Yep. Yep, which, uh, yeah, the, the one through the diocese is definitely that way. Um, a couple of things that I did want to mention about Microsoft Office, uh, especially for, for those of you who are looking at, at going to, to college this fall, often you can get Microsoft Office through the college, either for free or discounted. So Heavily discounted. Yeah. Yeah. So, so don't just go out and buy it because we're, we're saying it's good. Look at, look at the, the college first. Uh, because often, I mean, like word is, is kind of the, I don't know if I'd call it the golden standard, but it's the, the, the ordinary way in which people will like write research papers. And, and in fact, like to, to do footnotes and stuff, it's super easy and, and Microsoft just handles it all. You just push a button, uh, put in page numbers, those sorts of things. Um, PowerPoint also, um, is, is, is good. I actually just created one of those and presented it in class uh, uh, about a month ago. Uh, one of the one of the cool things about PowerPoint that I like, and this goes for PowerPoint, but it also goes for Keynote on the Mac. And I and I'm assuming it would it would happen with with the Google equivalent, but I've not tried it with the Google equivalent. But if you're presenting it, it'll uh, it'll recognize that your computer screen is different than the projector com- screen. And on your computer screen, it will show like your your next slide that's going to come. And your the like the current time in which your your PowerPoint um, presentation has been happening. So if you're like you know practicing at home, you can time yourself, or during the presentation, you can see what's coming up and how long you've been talking, and your the the notes that are attached to it. So it's it's improved um, dramatically since since I was in high school. Let's yeah. just say <laughs> PowerPoint's and in fact it's improved dramatically since Keynote's been around, which I think they've taken a little bit of inspiration from keynote and which is great because sometimes in, in the past I've had to do presentations and I was required to use PowerPoint for, because of, you know, equipment issues. Um, and you know, so, and PowerPoint was better than it had been. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, well, and, and so that's office. If you've got a Mac, you've also got, you've automatically got the iWork suite, which is pages, the equivalent to word. It's also the equivalent to publisher because it does layout as well. Um, you've got numbers, which is equivalent to Excel, although Excel is still much better than numbers. I, I mean, I like numbers. I use it for a lot of things. Um, I use numbers to do uh, StarQuest's annual report. 
um, to, to do the charts for that. And I lay it out in pages, which makes it real easy. They work together that way. Um, but, but Excel is a better spreadsheet. Just I'll, put, I'll throw it out there. Uh, but Keynote, I love Keynote. And even beyond making presentations, Keynote makes great videos. If you ever need to make a sort of a visual video presentation, like something you're going to post online or that's self-contained, because of the animation tools that are in it, it's really awesome. Like the magic move in that is like magic. It is, you just say, you know, between these slides go from here to there and it moves the, the, the stuff around and it just looks so professional, so clean i mean it's it is a, i i love keynote i really do probably are you able so. to are you able to do a presentation and save it as a video file yes yep you can export it as a video awesome. yep and uh, you can even export to powerpoint if you had to uh <laughs> you know you yep. you do yep. lose the keynote specific features but it's possible sometimes you, you need to do that you can also output and powerpoint does this too you can output um your slides as printouts for people if you need to share your slide mm. your slides so that's really good too um so yeah uh so if you've got a mac and you don't and the great thing with that is those come with the mac those are free so um and they've come a long way the mac is expensive but <laughs> yeah, yeah a little bit a, a windows bit. pc is 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 <laughs> much more affordable but there are, there yeah. are cheap windows pcs but they were to get yeah. a decent one. You're in the ballpark. You really are. So, yeah. 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 Um, so, and then this, uh, you know, so we talk about the Mac, Mac OS iWork. We talk about Microsoft office and then there's Google, the Google apps. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, those are great for working together with other people. Collaboration. In fact, we are using a Google doc right now for our show notes. This is how we do our show notes is we have a, a Google doc and we each, put in the different things we're going to talk about and the stuff we want to, and then we look at it as we go and you can edit it as we go. And it has become like, again, I use the word magic, but it's kind of like magic. It used to be so hard to have these collaborative documents, but now it's seamless and it, it, the changes are instant. Yeah. I, Google docs is, is fantastic when it comes to those of you who may or may not be like me, <clears throat> and uh, you you study for your finals last minute, and you collaborate <laughs> no. with your peers. Uh, it's it's super handy because like you can you can add everybody to the same Google document and throw all the information on there, and you can you know correct and edit your your peers, or they can do it to you, or um you're, yeah you you can you can see what someone is doing in real time. So you could be typing something and and you're seeing it or they're seeing it as you're typing it too. Right. So it's, it's definitely helpful in that realm of, of study and collaboration, right? Especially as you're studying for, for tests and, and whatnot. So the next one that I don't have a lot of experience with, because a lot, a lot of this stuff has built in spell checker, grammar checker, but um, Grammarly I've heard of, but I haven't used myself. Father, did you put that one in there? Uh, I think that must be Pat that, because yeah. I, I okay. tend to, to, I, I use the built-in uh, word check, and I, my grammar is usually pretty well. And I sh probably should use Grammarly a little more, but I've yeah. actually never used it. 
Well, I've used it a little bit, and uh, I liked what it did for things that if I was just writing something in a hurry, then it would really go back. And it's, it does spell check as well, but it, the, the grammar of, of uh, which word you used or in which sense or the, you know, it does a lot of that really well. And I know I have several people that, that couldn't live without Grammarly because they, they, they just are not English majors. They just don't know some of the, the techniques that you need to do to keep it looking professional. And uh, the only, um, I mean, there's a free version that most people use, but the uh, occasionally if I found that it may slow down a computer a little bit, uh, or the browser a little bit if it's in use, but for the people who use it, they really, really like it. And I have a lot of clients who use it. So apparently it's got, not only does it get a grammar checker, but it can also do have a plagiarism checker to make sure you're not plagiari- accidentally plagiarizing. Yeah, I had understood that they just added a lot of AI features to the the thing to be able to do that. Wow. Um, a citation generator, because citations are pain. Oh, that's nice, <laughs> yeah. yes. An essay checker, a paraphrasing tool, a tone detector, a style guide. I, so actually, I said I, I actually misspoke. I actually do use Grammarly, but only inside the Hootsuite app. Now, Hootsuite is a social media platform. It's a professional platform. I use it for StarQuest and all our social media. And so when I'm writing social media posts in Hootsuite, it, the grammar checker pops up and says, oh, you could, you know, the tone of this is helpful. The tone is happy or whatever. And then it also suggests rephrasings of things, which. I usually say no because I, I like the way I phrase things, but you know, <laughs> I'm, I've been I'm, I've been writing for a long time. I know how I want to phrase things, but in general, though, I mean, it's it's a nice idea to have this, especially some of those AI level things about helping you with things like plagiar- accidental plagiarism or you know, wor- you know, wording of an essay and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So uh, I like the idea. Well, and, you know, when we're talking about students, they don't have the life experiences that we've had. So I think it's a really good training tool to let them say, oh, hey, that was really a passive voice or, hey, that's a little sarcastic or, or whatever. Whereas as we get older, we develop our own style and we know what's appropriate at that, at, for whatever level of audience that we're dealing with. So I, I think that really would be a help to students more than, than just the average person. There is a free level where it gives, gets you grammar, spelling, punctuation, conciseness, and tone detection. And then there's a premium level, $12 a month, which adds um, sentence, full sentence rewrites and word choice and citations. And that one they say is 12 bucks a month for individual, although I, I would look around and see if there's a student discount. Again, with all these things, look for student discounts. Um, and then there's a there's a business level which adds all the features, um, including style guide and analytics and some more stuff that maybe you don't. I, I think most people might not need, but that's fifteen in a month, so it's only a few extra dollars a month for that too. So um, maybe you know if you, it might be worthwhile, it might be worth the put. You know, we we spend you know, and students are spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars for one textbook. You know, this is maybe the equivalent of one textbook, and maybe means you get better grades overall so well i was thinking of the the student in science who's who's not a natural lingual person and that would really be more of a great deal of help so that when they're doing a presentation or when they're doing something like that that it does come across more professional because that's not their native yeah. style yeah 
or or the uh, the the person who English isn't their their first, first language. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, the other the other low tech uh, help here would be often at most most every single college they they've their their library often will have tutors or um, people on staff who who would be more than happy to to proofread a paper. I know I keep getting emails from our our library that that are offering those exact services. So that's good. Uh, a low tech way to do it is to 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 go to your library and get get some one on one tutor help as well. Yeah, a lot of colleges will have writing centers that are just for this yep. purpose. So, yep. Yep. Lots yep. of writing going on in colleges. Uh, <sighs> so another important thing to, for a student is to keep track of dates and times and tasks and papers when they're due and assignments and all that sort of thing. And there's lots of apps to help with this. Um, so uh, uh, would you guys, you know, pick some of your favorites? Father, what do you use? I feel very, I feel bad. I, I, I don't use, I don't use a assignment tracker. <laughs> I, my, my, the way that my brain works, um, is, is that I, I, I kind of, I keep it all up in my head. If there's anything major, 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 I will actually just put it into my, my calendar. App. I was going to say the calendar is a good tool for the, a lot of that. Yeah. Right. But, but when it comes to, I just sort of, I sort of just kind of keep in my mind, like, okay, I've got in a couple of weeks, I have this paper that I have to do or, mm-hmm. you know, I know oh, that, I that, that April, <laughs> April is, is, is I've got to do this, this assignment or yeah, I, it, it may not be the best, but thankfully I have yet to miss an assignment because of okay. that. So at least that's, that's the way that my brain works. I know there's right. plenty of tech help though, for those of you who yeah. need it. And the, for every every student, every major, every school will be different too. Like some, some majors you're going to be need to keep, you know, track. Mine, I mean, mine is, is mostly just reading there. There's the, the, the yes, homework assignments are, are fewer and far between. There might be a paper here like this semester. I had two papers and I just knew that the first one I had to do in the first half of the semester and the second one I did in the second half of the semester, right. it'll be different at that graduate level. You're, you're, you're yep. going for basically a doctorate in, in canon law. So, I yeah, and I and I I I used to like in high school. You got the physical uh, student uh, the assignment book. Yo, the assignment book, yeah. And, and I I for about the first two weeks, I would diligently write down the assignments and check them off when I finished them. And it just got it just got way <laughs> too tedious. I just did the assignment and <laughs> called it good. So. The key is to do what works for you. So that's that's good. Yeah, yep. I mean, I have. For for my work and my personal life, I use OmniFocus, which is a huge, powerful and overpowered for most people uh, project manager, project and task manager. I've been using it for a decade or more, more than a decade, and I love it. It's a wonderful piece of software, uh, but it's overkill for most people. So for a lot of people, your built-in reminders apps will be good. Uh, I know Mac OS and iOS have the supplied reminders app i would assume outlook has reminders built in as well for people on windows yep um and then uh so i guess pat you must have put this in there the do app right um i i bounce back and forth depending upon what type of task i'm needing to keep track of between do and reminders reminders are those things that is kind of a a list of things i need to make sure that i get done at some point the do is the one that i say i put stuff in there that i need to be nagged or else i'll forget it it needs to be mm-hmm. done uh, now <laughs> right or yeah. you know uh basically it it just keeps reminding you until you and and it can do a reminder 
reminder on a frequency basis. But now I also have clients that are just sold on Todoist. And I, again, I don't use it myself, but I only wanted to bring it up just because I have so many people that think that that's one of the best possible to-do managers out there. Yeah. So. I, I, um, I've I tried Todoist uh, before just to see. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to be leaving OmniFocus anytime soon, but it's a different paradigm than OmniFocus, and that's fine, which is great because some people have different ways of looking at things. And to do is, is attractive, and it looks really great. And uh, I'm, it's a very interesting uh, program to use. There's another one on the Mac called Things, which I think is also uh, looks pretty good. I use Do in addition to OmniFocus. Do for me is for things that got to be that have to be done, like take my medicine. You know, I have morning meds and evening meds and I, and that thing will nag me until I've told it I've taken my morning meds. I like to, uh, I keep a diary, like a personal journal and I want to make sure I do that every morning. And so I have it nag me at eight fifty five every morning, take five minutes. And, and if it's, if right now is not a good time, like you said, Pat in five, it'll, it'll remind me again in five minutes and then another five minutes or like I'm, I'm in the, at the doctor's office. I can't do it. Snooze for an hour, and it will come back in an hour. So yeah, Do is a wonderful app. If if I can, this is uh, an excurs uh, an excursus into not, not so much tech things, but more philosophy of just these kind of things. If it's helpful, uh, when when it comes to assignments and those things that are due, sometimes you know, especially if you're, if you're a freshman in college, it can become really overwhelming and, and, uh, you, you kind of don't know what to do. Uh, visualize a, a four by four, uh, square. So take a, take a square and divide it into four quadrants and on the, t- along the top, you know, you've got unimportant and important. And then along the side, it's urgent and not urgent. And so you've got four, uh, categories of, either assignments or what you've got going. And, you know, so you, you throw things into if it's important, but not urgent or important, but urgent or uh, urgent, but not important or not important and not urgent. I think. <laughs> yeah. That kind of covers it. <laughs> um, but, but the key would be is like, you know, if I've got five assignments, one of them is due tomorrow and one of them is due next week. And then the rest are due later on you know, put the, the ones that are due tomorrow and next week and the urgent and important, the ones that are due later, uh, important, but not urgent. And it, and it's a conceptual way to kind of like (laughs) help you visualize like what you have to do and when, and kind of just categorize things in a way that hopefully you're, you're, you, you feel less overwhelmed because it's like, okay, I need to, I'll focus on the urgent and important, and then I'll focus on what's important, but not urgent. And, you know, and then go to the to the lesser important, the less urgent. Sometimes this is called the Eisenhower matrix after Dwight D. Eisenhower is supposedly the uh, originator or at least popular as popularizer of it. Um, there is an app that works across platform, pa- oh, iPad, perfect. Windows, Mac OS called Priority Matrix. I'll put that in the show notes and uh, you could check that out as well. Yeah, I've I've seen this recommended. I've seen people that this is how they think and this is what works for them. I, I think that's what I just do naturally is is I categorize it that way. And so I'm like, like, I know the, the important paper is 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 urgent and important for this weekend, you know, and but but I, I would I don't break it out like that. It just that's that's how my mind works. And I think that's how a lot of people if you if you need some help, this is a way to kind of conceptually 
uh, help you break some of the some of that down. As part of my daily journaling, uh, one of the things I do is, is I have a prompt. And the first prompt is, what are the top three things I need to do today? What is and then which is the one priority, like the one thing I must do today? And, you know, you often have most of us have many more than three things to do today. But this is a way yeah. of really <laughs> kind of doing this same thing, just not in the the the, the matrix way. But. But, you know, mm-hmm. narrowing things down, uh, I think I heard Father Roderick Von Hogan, my friend, Father Roderick, uh, uh, the, one of the founders of StarQuest, um, he calls it, based on a book you read, eating your frog. What's the frog I have to eat today? <laughs> eating a frog is a terrible thing. It's But you have to, like, if you had to do it, <laughs> yeah. you just got to sit down and do it, you know? And yeah. so uh, I, I I don't like that visualization. So I just like my priorities. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this it's a great way of helping you prioritize and because you can only have one priority there's only one thing that that is the most important thing and so right you're 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 not going to be able to do everything every day and then some people can then just feel so incredibly discouraged at the end of the day that they didn't get anything done and it sort of just it it hampers them from from really succeeding and okay you know uh that's okay that you didn't get everything done just you know if you if you do the get your get your if you get the, the most one, important, the priority. Yeah. yeah. If you get that one done, you're going to feel good. If you get more than one, one or two of the other two, three things of the other of the three things, you're going to feel great. You've accomplished things. You can check it off tomorrow. So, yeah, I, I think that's a great way of looking at it. Um, so before we get into hardware, one last software related thing, which is also kind of hardware related. So we can this will be our transition, which is backup. You want to make sure you've backed up your files all the time. And there are multiple yes. ways. And I always say you have to have it backed up. Uh, what else it goes? Three places, um, two different forms of media, one offsite. Okay. So you, you, at least those things. So um, if it doesn't, if a file doesn't exist in at least three places, or uh, it used to be two, but now I say three places, it doesn't exist. So you want it to be backed up in three places, two different kinds of media, one of them offsite, three, two, one. So the basic is you could store files in, if you have a Mac or iOS, you can store files in iCloud. If you have Windows or Mac, because I have, I have the two, uh, OneDrive is a great storage just a medium. Dropbox is another one. Now, Google Drive. Google Drive, yes. Now, to be clear, these are technically not backups. They are cloud storage uh, because you're a synchronized usually, copy. Yes. You're usually actively working on these. And if you delete the file or you mess it up, you're unlikely to be able to recover it from that place. There, yeah, there, there are some. I think doesn't Dropbox allow they have you, a version? You yeah, have there's some versioning. Yeah, yes. you can have yeah different versions of the same file that are kept and saved my bacon many times. <laughs> but that that yeah, that's not the primary thing that that they're those services are about. Unlike like say Time Machine, which which is which is a backup. Mac. Yes. Yep. Um, now, as as far as like Dropbox, I work out of Dropbox. I, I all of my active work files are in Dropbox. A few are in iCloud files for specific reasons, uh, which I might get into later. But um, but drop I work out of Dropbox, and um, yeah. So the that's so let's talk about it's like Time Machine for if you're a Mac user. Time Machine is a gimme. You just hook a uh, external hard drive into your Mac, and it will 
if you have don't already have a time machine drive, it will ask you, do you want to make this a time machine drive? And time machine is a versioning system in a sense. It will it allows you to take a particular file or folder back in time to to you know when it was last backed up or last available. So that's really nice. Um, there's also cloning. Um, on the Mac, I like Carbon Copy Cloner. There's also another program called Super Duper. Pat, is, is there a Windows uh, cloning or backup software you recommend? Well, I was going to start with the, the versioning backup is the same as file history on a PC, which is built into Windows. And oh, okay. file history works really well. And you can, you know, you can revert back to older versions as long as you've got the storage space on the external drive. As far as cloning, um, there's some free software out there. It's nothing really built into Windows, but there's some free software by ESIS and all of a sudden I just forgot the other one. Um, anyway, there's a couple of different, uh, Macri Macrium, yeah, uh, Macrium and ESIS both let you, uh, make a clone of a drive. Okay. We'll try to get those in the show notes after afterwards. Okay, good. And then, um, for offsite backup, Carbonite is one. I really like Backblaze. Uh, that is, so you install the software on your computer and it just automatically keeps everything backed up in the cloud. Now, the first time you install it, it backs up your entire drive and that takes a long time and a lot of data. So you're going to want to leave, if you have a laptop, you're going to want to leave that laptop active and on and connected as much as possible until it completes the first backup. And it can be days uh, depending on the speed weeks. of your internet. Yeah. If you have a slow, a slow upload on your internet connection, it could be weeks. So, uh, but once that's done, then after that, it's just going to be updating the, 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 the what's in the cloud with any changes you make. And it's relatively uh, easily done. But once it's done, it's in the cloud, which means it's much safer. It's also a little harder to get it back. So that's why you have these three separate backup systems, the three separate backups. You want stuff that's local, but that's more volatile. But the stuff that's far away in the cloud is safer, but it's harder to get at. So you're balancing things out. On the PC, uh, Carbonite is for most of my customers what I recommend. Uh, it, it, it's a subscription service you pay for. It, and on Carbonite, you pay once for per machine and it backs up everything on there that's the data, not applications, but anything that's data. On the, I do not recommend Carbonite on the Mac because on the Mac, it does not do versioning. On the PC, it does. On the Mac, it does, still does not, at least the last time I checked. And then, uh, for so for the PC and for the Mac, iDrive is a good solution if you have multiple machines. Because iDrive, you are basically paying for so much storage, and you can have several machines that are sharing that storage plan. And so that's a very attractive thing for that. It's Mac and PC, and I don't know about Linux, but most of the students aren't going to be using Linux anyway, probably. Um, but then uh, then there's other ones, yes, uh, uh, other backup systems that you can use. I mean, Norton's got one, and different places have their own cloud backup. I still prefer not to to bundle 
the backups and password managers and things like that in with a one security solution. I prefer to have the best of breed on each thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't mention it, but a password manager, we're always talking about that. Have a good password manager and have good passwords, Um, especially in a college environment where you're carrying a laptop and a phone around and they can be misplaced or other people could have access to it. Definitely, you know, good password manager. Don't share passwords. (laughs) Don't share passwords. And good security software, antivirus, that sort of thing too. Malware. Yes, definitely. Um, So let's talk a little bit about hardware. Uh, So the type of hardware you use sometimes can be determined by the school. The school will either like say Mm -hmm. for your major, you need to have this kind of computer. Or they might say, we offer super discounts on these three different things, these three different laptops or whatever, a Mac, a Windows, you know, that sort of thing, or or desktop, whatever, Um, or iPads will sometimes they'll offer. So some of that might be determined by your the, the school you're attending. But and the program that you're in, because I've seen some that say if you're in this particular class, you must have X or Y. And that's the only things you can have. Right. Right. Because, uh, Father, I think you said in computer science, you needed something specific. Yeah. It, well, it was it was sort of both. And at the time, I don't know if they're still doing it. But when I went to the South Dakota School of Mines, they had everybody use a tablet PC. It didn't matter what major you were in. And it was part of your tuition. So you you leased the computer. And then after three years, you had to give it back and then get a get a new one. So you didn't you didn't actually own the computer. You could buy it out, I think, at the end of three years if you wanted. But but like everybody got a tablet PC. And, and I can't remember even the rationale behind it. But well, I think the rationale behind it was they then put their software on the computer for you because like everybody was taking this, you know, you're, you're all in it. Well, most people were engineers. So you're taking upper level math courses. And so they, they had this program called Maple that would do um, think of think of your most advanced calculator, but throw it into a computer and you can visualize, you know, the graph graphing capabilities and stuff that a, that a calculator can't. So they were able to put all of their software on the computer then we didn't have to buy the software individually. So they required that. And then, of course, with computer science, they they provided the emulators so we could work in Linux and, and whatnot. Uh, I think other colleges probably uh, it's it's probably more generic that like as long as you have a good you know word processor or uh the the standard the standard kind of things you're you're okay and mo- most colleges windows and mac are it's kind of up to you there have been clients though that i had uh, kids that were going into some say some statistics or psycho- uh, uh, some classes that would take modeling that they would have to do or G- uh, gis services or things like that that required x types of graphics cards and x amount of memory you know and a, and a i7 or higher processor you know so you do have to check with your college program also some of the like the engineering colleges like you would need you know AutoCAD the computer aided design programs that would need those those higher processing power. But you'll know uh, you'll know if that yeah the the, the, comes up. the, yeah. the college will will tell you if if you if you need a certain requirement. Right for most students, especially in humanities or other places, you know courses like that. Uh, if you want a Mac, uh, this from my experience, any of the new m1 m2 macbook airs will will cover you like i don't if you need a macbook pro as a student you'll know it like you'll be told like we said 
you need this higher power. These Mac, these, these, uh, Apple Silicon uh, MacBook Airs are super powerful. They're great. I, I have a MacBook Air that I do audio editing and video editing on when I when I'm not at my desktop. I mean, it is remarkable. The only problem there is just the screen is small. I would like a bigger screen, but as far as power goes, these are super powerful. So you know you don't need to spend super amount to get a really powerful machine that's going to last you a while. Uh, if you get a MacBook Air, um, Windows laptops. Uh, you know, there's a lot of the name brands, Acer and Dell and and those. I, I would assume, you know, you, you probably do pretty well with those. Um the Lenovo's and that. I would Pat, I you back me up. I would uh, probably tend to stay away from the really inexpensive yeah, Windows laptops. Stay away from those. Right. Uh, my recommendation would be Dell or uh, there are some people that use HP, but the uh, Microsoft Surface, they make, you know, uh, some laptops themselves and they seem to be geared towards students a lot of times with pricing. So, I, you know, I I would stay away from the less expensive and the ones that are foreign made and foreign serviced because that can be a problem. You have some a problem, you can't get parts for it. Right, right. Exactly. The other nice thing about the the surfaces is they they're kind of built so you can use a stylus and take notes uh, with with a stylus, which and or use a keyboard when you want to. Yep, yep, right. Yep. 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 Like, and when I was, I mean, when I was in math, the, the stylus was I used it exclusively for notes. Well, and there are a lot of the the manufacturers, Dell and Lenovo, and all that have the convertibles. You know, that basically you just turn it over, and now you've got the stylus and the and the pad. You turn it back the other way, and now you got a traditional laptop with a keyboard. Yep. I would say if you if you decide to try the iPad route, if you'd like that idea of having the tablet as your primary device, or at least for at least for note taking or whatever in class, um, I'd go for an iPad Pro, maybe the smaller one, which is more portable, and get the keyboard. Uh, the key- keyboards are really nice. I actually don't use the Apple keyboard. I have a nice Logitech smart keyboard, which is really nice. And I like the smart keyboard because it's powered from the iPad. And you don't deal. You're not dealing with Bluetooth and you know separately charging the 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 thing. There's that lag with Bluetooth that annoys me. I really would rather have that smart keyboard. Um, it's just one less annoyance. But uh, yeah, I would d- look at that if you if you want to go the iPad route. I would I would say the iPad would probably work great for note taking. I would not recommend it from experience for trying to write papers. It's it's uh, more stick, consumable the, as opposed to a creating device. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 laptop will have more capability. Well, the the iPad would have the same capabilities. It's just more cumbersome to get to some of the tools. It is. Yeah, it is not nearly as slick as a as a laptop or desktop is the, yet. Um, so. So what? Uh, one last bit of hardware I wanted to talk about is um, headphones. Every everybody's got headphones on campus, especially especially when you're living <laughs> in a dorm and around other people. Um, and headphones with noise canceling or suppression are great. Um, my kids all have the the Soundcore Anchor Life Q20. Not all of them yet, but they're, they're they'll eventually get there once they break the old ones because that's they, that's what they do in a few years <laughs> is they break their headphones. Um, but the hybrid active noise canceling headphones, they're sixty bucks on Amazon, so really inexpensive for noise canceling. And when my daughter, who has misophonia, put these on for the first time, she was like, "Oh, it's quiet." 
<laughs> and so I don't pair people chewing. <laughs> yes, exa- exactly. She still hears, hears herself chewing, which can bother her. But, you know, she doesn't hear other people. Uh, and that's that's really awesome. If you want something a little more expensive, I love the AirPods Pro. They their sound counts. In fact, I let my wife try the AirPods Pro with the noise canceling my mine. And she was like. Oh my gosh, like this is so awesome. Like in the kitchen while she was making dinner or something. It's like, I want a set. <laughs> so she got some for her birthday. <laughs> but, uh, oh, good. but, uh, yeah, they, those are, I think, for uh, AirPods Pro are the fancy, trendy ones that, it, that are a little more expensive. The Soundcore Anchor Life Q20s are less expensive. And if you lose them, you're out 60 bucks as opposed to a couple hundred. So, mm. yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's, should do it for this time. I mean, there's always more to, to say, and if people have specific questions, we'd be happy to take them and bring it up in a later episode. And, uh, in, in, if you have suggestions as well, we'd love to hear from you. Um, father, one more quick thing that I want to add, um, just especially those of you going to college, uh, be sure to also look at the, the college website for discount on software, Beyond what you what what is required, because often you can find discounts, uh, student discounts through the college for a ton of different things. For example, um, since I'm a student again, I was able to get ten dollars off my my cell phone bill every month because I'm a student. Um, and it was all because of the, the, the call through the college website. And, uh, so, so just be sure to scour your college's website for those, you know, even just Google your college website and, and software, student software discounts. And most, most colleges will, you log in with your student account and then they give you all sorts of links to, to software that you can get for a discounted price. And if you're buying Apple hardware, Go to the Apple website, go all the way to the bottom of the main page and look for Apple Education Store because then you get significant discounts on the hardware through that too. You won't pay full price on it. Excellent. And also just try to get student discounts in all sorts of places. I mean, even (laughs) restaurants restaurants sometimes will do student discounts. So, I mean, uh, and enjoy being a student. That's what I'm doing for these, these, uh, these years. Enjoy being a student, but not too much. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. All right. Before we move on to our headlines, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of tech, including Charles J, father, Jeff H, Mary B, Zipporah T, and Tim S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. I want to remind everyone it is mid-April here in the United States. That means it's IRS tax time and StarQuest is a 501c3. Your donations are tax deductible. All right, let's talk about some headlines. Talk about backing up. We're talking about backing up all the way into space. That's right. This uh, first headline, this Florida startup is moving closer to building data centers on the moon. Yes, a moon data center. So the the, talk about remote backup. That is is the ultimate (laughs) storage. That is the ultimate road. It's like that's like nebula storage. So, uh, so what this company's <laughs> idea is, just, I think it's twofold, basically. One, we, you know, you want to have things safe from disaster, right? Natural disaster. Is there any place on this earth that is safe from natural disaster? There's tornadoes and hurricanes and volcanoes and whatever. Okay, so let's back up on the moon. 
Okay. Now that's one part of it. So we get, we back up <laughs> our data to the moon. The other part of it is as more and more gets built on the moon, more and more industry, commercial, government, they're going to need data services. And so they're looking to provide data services on the moon to these entities that will be there. So we're looking ahead to the, to the, the near future. So uh, they're they're sending their first test data center to the moon, uh, which will be a 16 terabyte, two pound lander that will land and, and run for, I think they said uh, between 11 and 14 days. And uh, that will be their first test. And it's just the first of what might be many data centers. What do you guys think of this story? It was different. I kept thinking that, you know, uh, if something happened to Earth and we couldn't get our data back, um, do we really need the moon? <laughs> I think we got more problems than we know about. But I can see for the future, you know, where where you might have towns or or work centers or whatever on the moon, you might need to have the data there too. Yeah, I I think it's it's weird being in this sort of pre science fiction era of. Like we're we're talking about this, or even just the the the, the talk of going to Mars and and whatnot. Uh, it's not really going to be a viable thing until we can go to the moon and back in like uh, and have it be the cost of a commercial airline, you know. And and so it's at this point it's still way too science fiction, I think, for the, than reality. But we've got to start somewhere. We're on the verge of it. That's what's exciting is this, we're on the yeah. edge of science fiction becoming science. Uh, yeah. So really interesting. Their uh, their cooling costs are going to be are going to be nice and low though. Well, that's so. the thing I was going to say. It's like well, that's one of the problems with data centers on Earth is they massively you know using up energy for cooling and power and all that sort of stuff. And on the moon, you can have all the cooling you want because it's you know near zero, near, near absolute zero. Free. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but also you've got uh, solar and you could run nuclear. Like there are small. In space, you can run nuclear reactors that you can't on Earth. But we'll also have to just uh, get better at data transmission, too, because it might be a good place for a backup. But if but if you're going to be wanting simultaneous kind of, you know, I want to work on work on something that's on the moon. Yeah, they, that won't work. I think that's the idea is rather than having to work like if you're on the moon trying to access data on Earth, you've got the data in two places synchronized. And so it synchronizes slowly between them. Right. But your working copy is local. And that. Yeah, that yeah, would be pretty yeah. cool. All right. So then our next headline uh, is a TikTok headline. And the, the headline is sorry, kids. TikTok sets one hour screen limit time limit for users under 18. Uh, so it for if you're under 18 soon, quote unquote, who know, they, haven't, they don't have any timeline on this. It will it will run. You'll be able to use it for an hour. And then when the hour's up, it will pop up a screen and you'll have to enter your pass, a, a passcode to continue. Unless you're under 13, in which case a parent or guardian has to set up the passcode. You have to get your parents permission. Uh, what do you think? Is this a real useful feature or just an PR attempt. Uh, kids aren't going to, they're not going to care. <laughs> they, they live on TikTok. If I, if I understand some of them correctly. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, only the ones who, who really want to limit themselves are going to take advantage of it. Yeah. I, that's been my take is this, it's a bit of a, you know, with all this talk of banning TikTok, part of that is because of the detrimental effect it's having on kids. All of this stuff is, 
I was talking to a mom today. I had a dental appointment today. I was talking to the hygienist and she was talking about the, the battle for her to keep her son busy so that he's not sitting indoors on his phone or PlayStation or whatever it is, his game console all day long. Uh, and, and so she has him scheduled from to go from one sport to scouting to another sport, like just and, and the, the, all in an effort to keep him from being completely absorbed in this stuff. And I mean, what a battle what par- we parents are having. I mean, what we- what happened to just going outside and finding a stick and pretending you're a knight and saving, you know, like me and my brother that <laughs> we lived on a ranch. That was <laughs> <laughs> we got kicked outside when we were spending too much time on the Super Nintendo and. Well, you know, but there was a whole world outside to just I mean, go and explore. I live in the suburbs and I, you know, we 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 give our kids screen time. They earn it doing chores and in schoolwork and they get 35 minutes at a time and up to twice a day at most. Um, but yeah, we we do scouting. But I went to Home Depot and bought a whole bunch of like ropes of different sizes and pulleys and, and uh, poles. And I said, here, build things <laughs> like just take it out of the backyard and build things. And I'm like, I want to see a trebuchet so we can assault the neighbor's yard and take over, <laughs> invade the neighbors. You're like build me a trebuchet or build me a monkey bridge, whatever. But yeah, it's, I mean, part of it is, is you want to take it away, but these kids are on these at school. They're actually required to be on their phones in, in some cases. It it just it speaks to the to the bigger the bigger issue. It's not it's not TikTok itself that's the issue. It's it's just it's how how parents are parenting or not, or if they're using these things as as a you know a a babysitter of sorts, or you know it. There's 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 nothing inherently wrong with with screen time, but it's. With everything, it's balanced. Yeah. And 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 the parent parents have to be uh, intentional about helping their kids learn that balance. And in many cases, we parents are in the same boat as the kids. We're mm -hmm, on our devices. mm -hmm. So, well, we've all I mean, it's 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 this technology is new to the parents as it is new to the kids. Yeah. And so it's the tech is designed to be addictive. I mean, literally, it is designed to be addictive. And uh so there's the article links to a Boston Children's Hospital digital wellness lab study of adolescence in technology. And some of the I would recommend folks to take a look at it. It's very interesting. The number one app that the kids use every day, YouTube. Number two, TikTok. Number three, Instagram. Number four, Snapchat. None of that's surprising to me. <laughs> um they they have they they talk about you know usage rules uh, how often they pick up their phones what the sad thing is on a typical weekday about what time do you stop using media for the night twenty percent is eleven p.m. twelve percent is midnight seven percent at one a.m. this is typical weekday answer I mean just oh so um yeah whatever we can do to help our kids I mean these tools are not bad it's just kids can get, get around them. But it, I suppose one thing I do is I tell my kids, this stuff is designed to addict you. This stuff, they, they hire psychologists and they're trying to game you. I try to like make it the, uh, them, us against the others, you know, like sort of a, they're trying to, to use you and manipulate you. Don't let them do that. And that, that's my hope is that helps. Well, and, and I know, I know some parents who, um, 
like force all their kids to to plug their phones in overnight, like in the kitchen. Yes, that's what we do. So that so they're not they're not sleeping in the same room as their devices and, right. and are you know on it at all hours of the night and and you know so it's got to it's got to stay out in the kitchen overnight. And and whatever they have there, they have, you know, a cutoff time of <laughs> no screens after 9 p.m. or whatever. Right. I use um, my Eero. I turn off the Internet for the kids devices yep. at, I think, 10, 30, 11. I figure what it is. I said it to like the, the older teens have different than the younger kids. Um, but the uh, it doesn't it doesn't work so well if they've got um, cell phones with a phone plan. I only have only my oldest has a f- cell phone with a phone plan and she's pretty responsible with it so we but we talk about it we all we still have screen time and they have to request more time and that sort of thing but yeah it's a it's a battle it's it's really it's sad but it's a battle i'm just i'm just remembering in high school having to go to the office to use their phone to call home if something was abnormal (laughs) (laughs) and nowadays i mean just everybody's got cell phones it doesn't even matter the the school uh, landline Well, we had pagers that we we would oh, send gosh. our kids to school with in case we needed to get to hold of them to for a doctor appointment to let them know, okay, we need to get you out of school oh, wow. for a doctor appointment or something. You know, that was that was a way back then. I just remember, like over the last week, Mr. Bettinelli report to the principal's office. Mr. Bettinelli, <laughs> you know, and my mom would be on the phone. And, you know, so I can't come at, at after school, like I said. So just take the bus. You know, that sort of thing. Yep. So, and we survived. We survived. Yep. Yeah. Phones were things that you know, hung on the wall in your house with a wire connected to it. Wow. <laughs> so um, I want to move to on to our picks of the week. You just said go do those two headlines and because we're going a bit long this time and I want to take too much time. So let's move quickly to our picks of the week. Father Andrew, you're up first. What's your first pick this week? My pick of the week is uh, very appropriate to our conversation earlier. It's uh, a website called Quizlet. Uh, so Quizlet.com, it's it's essentially a, a digital flashcards building website. Uh, there's more there's more functionality and stuff if you want to pay for it, but the the free version you can create flashcards if you're learning whatever it is you're learning, you know, science definitions or uh, in my case I've been using it with 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 Latin. You can you can use it mm. for for language learning. Mm. It's it's really helpful. So so rather than handwriting physical flashcards, you can have these digital flashcards. Uh, you can use a website. There's a there's a uh, iOS or Android app that you can use, and um, uh, it uh, uh yeah it's it's just it works uh it works really well. The other nice thing about it too is it's a community based sort of uh, system that. If you're in a language class, odds are someone has taken that class before and has already created the, the flashcards for that course. So all you actually have to do is go, go to that website, search for that course, and you might find someone who's already created all the flashcards for you. And then you can just use their flashcards wow. or you can build your own. And with the, the paid solution, they actually have flashcards for textbooks, particular textbooks, you know, built for to use with it. So that's actually pretty cool. Wow. Too. Yeah. When I was in... Uh, when when I was an undergrad, I built a study guide flashcard thing using HyperCard for uh, Apple II uh, for the aerobic um, circulation biology class. Um, oh yeah, and yeah. Which I was reminded about. I'm looking at the Quizlet website, and they have that on there. I'm like, wow, I wish I had that. Then. That was. <laughs> I, I mean, I spent a lot of time doing it, and the whole and actually that helped me learn it. All that time spent building this HyperCard thing, but. Uh, 
the the one the one downfall that that you could argue is that you're not physically writing out the flashcards and and for those that learn better by writing things out you're you're lacking that but you still got the flashcards and and uh it 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 works really well you know for for that purpose so for the, there's a free version and then the paid version is thirty six dollars a year so excellent pat what is your pick we've we've actually heard a little bit about it already Right, and I'm not going to say a whole lot more about it now, but uh, Obsidian, uh, the thing I liked about it from what my clients were telling me was that it was pretty easy to set up and use for just basic stuff, and there was a lot that you could add on to it, that it's multi-platform, and it's local storage. It's not cloud-based like Evernote and some of the others, so you can keep all your stuff local if you want for the free plan, or you can do a subscription add-on that you pay to then sync it up to a cloud. And then I also found a really nice article by somebody who talked exactly how to set it up, how she uses it, all the benefits, you know, and it, and I thought that was an interesting thing. So that that link is in the show notes as well. Yeah, I use Obsidian every day. I keep all it's like a almost like a wiki because it links. You can build internal links between links. Yeah. And uh, I keep like it's I use a sort of um, as a knowledge base or wiki for StarQuest, all the things. Every time I need information, along with a daily diary, like a, I have a work diary where everything I do every day is in there. Like, you know, what shows were posted, what shows were recorded, you know, decisions that were made, discussions that were had, what were the results of it, that sort of thing. So I use it for that. I keep um, meeting notes and agendas in it. And it's really fantastic. Uh, just say just a couple more things. You can put the vault, they call it the vault, on like iCloud and use it between two different Macs and, and they have an iOS app that you can use it with. So if you, if you store the vault there, um, but if you want more sophisticated syncing, you need to, you, you need to use the paid version. Uh, but I'm using, I've been using the free version, uh, which is great. And well, one of the things I was concerned about was whether it, the vault would be a problem if pieces of it were being synced at different times, because I know databases do not do well on the cloud, like Access or, or Outlook and things like that. So, but you're saying it's safe that you don't have a problem with that because it's it's all text files. So even if the text file, um, if there's a conflict, it just creates a duplicate, and you just get to reconcile the two different text files. But in general, I haven't had an issue with that. So it's been relatively pain-free. Uh, in fact, my wife, Melly and I have a shared vault that we use for family stuff. So all the kids, medical stuff or notes about house things like repairs or anything like that, or serial numbers and phone in, you know, the appliance repair guy and all that sort of stuff. We have a shared, a separate shared vault for that. We have for the two of us that's kept in iCloud that we, that we do. And, and we haven't had a problem. So that's been really great. Um, and it also has a plugin architecture with tons of free plugins, and it is remarkable what you can do with it once you've added some plugins. It's wild. The other thing I liked uh, that mentioned that the uh, it uses it in a common mark markdown, markdown. is that the style? Yeah. So that it you don't have the proprietary problem of what happens if the the creator goes out of business or whatever, because it's it's readable by any of the markup markdown programs. These are just plain text files. That's all they are. So, uh, in, you know, at heart. So yeah, even if obsidian went away tomorrow, you still have all your data in a text file. So it's really great. Um, I, I, I really want to do a show about obsidian 
at some point because there's so much more. Uh, that article is really great. I took a quick look at it. I hadn't seen it before, but uh, we'll put it in the show notes. And um, there's tons of great YouTube videos too. There's a there's a wonderful obsidian community of obsidian uh, maniacs out there who just love it and <laughs> and are willing to get other convert other people. They're like obsidian evangelists. I'm one of them, I suppose. <laughs> so uh, my pick this week is something I just discovered, and it is an AI-based tool um, that I think is using GPT, chat GPT. I'm not sure. Uh, and I'm just saying, right for you could probably do this with chat GPT itself. You could go in and ask it to do this. Uh, but this provides an, an interface. It's free. And what it is, it's called GPT Excel, and you can generate spreadsheet formulas using this plain language. So you can do it for either Excel or Google Sheets. And what you do is you just describe what you want it to do for you. So um, you can um, tell it, I want you to find, like remove all of the alphabetical letters from from the cell and give me only the the numbers only the numerical digits or uh give me a formula that lets me sort by first by date and then by uh you know uh num some other number or something along those lines i'm trying to think of examples um customer number sure. or yeah yeah like so for me like i excel sheets they're so powerful but i just I don't know how to make him do what I want. In the past, I, you know, I Google and I try to figure out and, and I look at what other people have done and try to adapt it to what I'm trying to do. This will do it for you. Like if I told it, you know, uh, bring together, combine two columns into one uh, of, of uh, text into one text column, you know, that sort of thing. And it would give me the concatenation formula for that. So it's really nice. The trick is, you know, you got to know how to, describe what it is you want so there's a little bit of that there's also one where it, so it's got one option to generate another option to explain where if you take a if you discover this a formula that someone has created you can pay, paste that in there and it will explain it to you in plain language what it does so a way of learning how things work or just to make sure that it is what people say it is you know in a spreadsheet someone gave you so especially with AI. Yes, especially with AI. <laughs> so it is um it is a a fun easy free little tool that I just discovered. So uh, you know, hopefully others will enjoy and and have some use from it. All right. So that should do it for this time. We would love to hear from you what you thought of any part of our discussion. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the StarQuest Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media or send an email to technology at sqpn.com, or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. We're having some great discussions. We're actually having a discussion today about uh, eight, these new chat AIs and whether they are of the devil. Uh, <laughs> uh, Have a demonic influence? Yeah, spoilers, they're not. But, uh, but but it was an interesting discussion, and I encourage you to go check it out and see what they think. Uh, you can find links from our discussions and picks of the week on our show notes at starquest.fm slash TEC207. We would really love it if you write a review in Apple Podcasts or one of the podcast directories and share the podcast with your friends to help us grow this community and reach more listeners, especially if you know people are going off to college or parents of kids going off to college. 
Share this episode with them, please. Until next time, Pat Scott, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks for having me on. Father Andrew Kinstetter, thank you as well. Absolutely. And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>